Okay, people. So, on this week's Echo Chamber, it is a two-parter. And um, it's a good one. So, people, as we do, we're going to start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 4th to the 6th of February. Okay, so in at number 10, it is Nightmare Alley, which is from Gallimoro del Toro, right? Starring Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, William Dafoe, and all the peoples. Our number nine film is an anime, all right, from Mamoru Kusada. He wrote and directed it, and it is called Bella, the Dragon and the Freckled Princess. At number eight, it is Walt Beaker's Clifford the Big Red Dog, live action of the animation, right? which then takes us, people, to our number seven joint is Parallel Mouthers from Pedro Almodova, who wrote and directed Saint Penelope Cruz, Rosie Dalla Palma, and um, all these other very talented crew. So at number six, it is Scream Six, right. So, this is from uh, Matt uh, Bellini-Alpin and Tyler Gillette. It is written by James Vanderbilt, Guy Buzik, and Kevin Williamson, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and all the gang are back for those tamey, tamey, tamey screams. All right, so at number five, people, five, 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 it's the last in the part in the trilogy. You know what I mean? John Watts doing his thing. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. Chris McKenna and Eric Sommers wrote the joint. Zeander, Tom Holland, Benedict Cumberbunch, Marissa Cormay, John Favreau, J.K. Simmons, William Dafoe, Jamie Foxx, Alfred Molina. Oh, man, your favorites are back, people. They are back. So at number four, it is the new joint from Roland Emmerich. Not Richard, Roland. Right? He wrote it with Spencer Cohen and Harold Closer. It is Moonfall. All right. So, uh, yeah, we, we have that one, which is all good. It's starring Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, John Bradley, Michael Penner, Donald Sutherland, Charlie Plummer. When on you, you know what I mean? It's the I think it's the first blockbuster of the year, I think. All right, at number three, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, right? We spoke about it during the 66 BFI London Film Festival. So you have that. 
Jude Hill, Leslie McCaskey, Coltarini Balf, Jamie Duran, Judy Dench, Syrian Hines. That's a little Irish ditty for you. So our number two film. Oh, those crazy sons of bitches are back. It is Jackass Forever. So, um, yeah, it's directed by Jeff Tremonet. Sorry, Johnny Knoxville, Steve-O, Chris Pontis, Eric Andre, Machine Gun Kelly, Rachel Wolfston, Tamaray's in it, Wee Man. You know what I mean? Just all your favorite jackass crew. So our number one film, it is Gareth Jennings' Sing 2. With a voice cast consisting of Matthew McConaughey, Reese Witherspoon, Scarlett Johansson, Tori Kelly, Taron Egerton, Nick Kroll. Yes, chocker block. If you like the first, then your favorites are back. All right, people, that is the films. It's the news. That's the top 10. Let's get into this week's reviews. Okay, people, so let's start off with the hating. Okay, people, so we have a new uh, book adaptation which has just hit prime, right? It is called um, The Hating Game, right? It's called The Hating Game, and it's a new film from Peter Hutchins. It is written by Christina Megnant, Megnant, Mengert, Christina Mengert, right? Uh, And yeah, it's an adaptation of a book by the same name from Sally Fawn. Okay, so it is produced by Claude Deafara, Brian Keedy, Bryce Deafara, Santosh Govindia, and Dan Reardon. Cinematography is Noah Greenberg. It's edited by Jason Nicholson. Music is handled by Spencer Hutchkins. And our cast. Well, people, we have got uh, Lucy um, Lucy Hale. That's the, one of the main characters. She's played by... No, Lucy Hale plays Lucy Hutton. Ugh. It's when you give the name, the main a character, the name of the person who's actually played. It always feels like you know, did that person have problems remembering names? You know what I mean? Uh, and Joshua Templeton is played by Austin Stowell. Uh, we have Danny. It's played by Damon Donuno. Uh, Helen, one of the co-CEOs played by Sakina Jaffrey, and Bexley, the other CEO, is played by Corbin Bernstein. We have Julie, played by Yasha Jackson. Anthony, um, who is Joshua's dad, 
He's played by Sean Cullen. Uh, his wife, Elaine, is played by Nance Williamson. Uh, we also have Jeanette, played by Shona Tucker. Mac, played by uh, Brock Urich. Carl, played by Robbie Johnson. Uh, Annabelle, played by Taina Azins. Patrick, played by Nicholas Barudi, and that's Joshua's brother. Jaff, played by David Ebert. Uh, Mindy, uh, Catherine Boswell. Um, yeah, they're the main ones. Yeah, I'd say they're, they're our main characters, essentially. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. As assistants to the co-CEOs of a publishing company, Lucy Hutton and Joshua Templeton sit across from each other every day, and they hate each other, not dislike, not begrudgingly tolerate, hate. Lucy can't understand Joshua's joyless, uptight approach to his job and refusal to smile which is in stark contrast to how bright clothes, quirkiness, and effusive people-pleasing or um, traits that Lucy has. Trapped in a shared office five days a week, they become entrenched in an addictive, ridiculous, never-ending game of one-upmanship. Lucy can't let Josh beat her at anything, especially when a huge new promotion to be managing director is up for grabs. They strike a deal that whatever doesn't, whoever does not get the promotion must quit. It's game on. But as tensions reach boiling point and an innocent elevator ride turns into a steamy kiss, Lucy begins to realize just how fine a line there is between a love and hate. So, yes, there you go, people. Now, um, <laughs> hey, yeah, this, this isn't made for me. This film isn't made, like, I think when I read the, the little blah blah on Prime, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, they embark on these, you know, one up. I thought it was going to be a bit more, I don't know. I don't know. Like playful, ridiculous, like fun. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not quite like, also, it, it's kind of ironic really when you look at the film and what it's saying right so as we open up with you know lucy narrating right and it's just like oh sometimes you hate someone and they drive you insane and blah 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 and then at the end like yeah again we have her narrating and there's a thing that she says at the end right it's like um you know, sometimes you might hate someone, but when you're on the same team, 
You know what I mean? You always support them and blah, 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 blah. And it, you just be like, um, we saw none of that in this film. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right? It's like they say the words, but then the actions do not demonstrate those words at all. It's, uh, it's a little insane. It's a little insane. All right. So, yeah, you know, these two people hate each other. It's always amusing as well when you see these office layouts in films. Because a lot of times you'd be like, there's no way an office is getting laid out like that. That's insane. Why would you put an office like that? Huh? What the fuck is going on here? You know? And when you look at the way people act at times, it's just like, yo, your ass is so fired. You would be fired if you were doing this shit on the reg. It's insane. It really is insane. I do find it crazy too. You know, like Sally, you know, she wrote this story. And then Christina Magnet, you know, did the screenplay. And you kind of think, all right, if, if someone writes a goofy story, <laughs> I apologize. Listen, I'm saying it's goofy because it's goofy for me. You might enjoy it. That's all golden, man. That's all golden. Enjoy what you want. What I'm saying is, though, when you're talking about things and you're laying it on like, um, you know, oh, this poor girl and she's blah, blah, blah. You think someone else might look at it and go, hmm. Actually, what are we saying here? Come on, let's let's change that because that's really giving a weird perception. But they never do. It's a little baffling, right? Because we we have this girl going, oh, I'm struggling to find dates, right? And they're always, you know, attractive. Like, even if, you know, you don't find them attractive, I think you can, you know, you, you know what people will think of someone, right? You can look at people and go, objectively speaking, yeah, I, you know, most people will probably find you attractive. Boom. And they, they always have those people up in these films, and they always have them be like, I can't find dates. Oh, no. What's going on? And listen, I get there's definitely times you know, attractive people, they might be single, right? That's fair. But there's usually a reason, right? It's not that people don't ask them out. It's because they're holding out for something. So play it like that. But when you say, oh, no one's asking me, shut the fuck up, right? Let's, let's not ask. That You can say, I, the people I like aren't answering me out, right? But what are we doing here with this nonsense? I, I love it when they try and play people as nerds, right? Try and play people as nerds. And they're like, oh, how can we make this person nerdy? How, oh, we'll give them, you know, a dinosaur T-shirt. Or, you know, oh, they, they read a certain book. They read Dickings when they were young. And just like, no, <laughs> what are you doing? Hey, go to a school, right? Go into the playground, the play yard. You will see a fucking nerd, right? There is a difference between this Hollywood nerd and a real life fucking nerd. 
You know what I mean? That's the big thing. But they give her this thing, right? She collects Smurfs. I don't know why the fuck that's in the film. Because it, it really has no relevance to the story. As nothing, right? It doesn't, you know, give you anything on her character. It does nothing. Nothing. But we have these people and they read a lot. Read a lot, right? That means you understand stories. You understand stories. So, why the fuck are we having people reacting in certain ways, right? You hear a snippet of a conversation. It's just like, <gasps> I can't believe that they lied to me. I thought they were. It'd be like, yo, if you've read, you understand, <laughs> usually there was more to that conversation that you heard a snippet of, you know what I mean? It, it's just like, yo, you can't have a character who supposedly loves books, loves stories, and then have them act in a just dumb way. Doesn't work. Because you look at it and be like, um, I thought you read. I thought you knew this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, listen, if you had them be like, oh, I, I love reading like um technical breakdowns, right? I read scientific, you know, uh, transcripts all the time. Fine. But if you're saying they read fiction, all of that shit, then no. <laughs> like, no one's acting the way they fucking act, right? It, 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 it's bizarre. It is fucking bizarre. It really is. You know, the, the, the characters are, are pretty just archetypes. You know what I mean? There's there's nothing really original. No one's really got any depth. It's not to say the acting's bad. Like, Corbin Bernstein does a great job of playing that dicky boss, right? And uh, Sakina Jaffrey's the nice boss, and right, they they play those roles well. But there is no depth to these people, you know. Lucy, Joshua, Danny—they're the characters that you'd imagine they were. Right, what you see at the beginning is who the fuck they are. There's nothing different. They do a weird thing of having the Lucy character sometimes swear, and you just don't buy it, right? Because the way she acts all the other times, and then she'd be like, and I don't give a fuck. And you'd be like, nah, <laughs> yo, kid, you ain't saying that shit. You know what I mean? You ain't saying that shit. What the fuck? <laughs> what are we doing? You know what I mean? But yeah, it, it, it's... Uh... I don't know, people. Listen, as I said, look, this ain't, it's not for me, but I will say this, right? If you are a fan of, you know, Lucy L, uh, she was in A Nice Girl Like You, right? If you like that, if you like Holiday, right? Love Hard, you know what I mean? Um, love Rosie, Can I Keep a Secret, Set It Up. Just 
those type of films, if you love those type of films, then this, then this, the hating game, yeah, that's all you, baby. That's all you. You will enjoy it. It speaks to your heart. It follows the beats of a typical rom-com, right? It, it, if you love a rom-com, this is your thing, right? It, it doesn't do anything crazy. It doesn't stir the pot. It's not trying to invent new things. It follows those beats. So if you want that in your life, then the hating game is probably your Okay, and we're going to end part one with a new shutter join. It's They Live in the Grey. Okay, people. So we have a new shutter original. And yeah, <laughs> it is. It's a good one, people. It's a good one. All right. So the film is called um they live in the gray mine went a little blank for a second there yeah they live in the gray and it is written and directed by the vang brothers abel and burley vang okay so it is produced by the brothers and stephen stanley David Williams handles the music. The cinematography was Jimmy Jong-Lu. It is edited by Cole Duran. Casting is Viz. Mary Vang handles the production design. Art direction is Michaela De Rosa. Um, costume design is Lee Jong. Makeup um, is Alicia L. Bagoras, Emma Croft, Melissa Jimenez Ramenez, Kate Klein, and Claire Magnus. And sound direction is Daniel Aterio Estevez. So the gist of the film is. Uh, it is this. So while investigating a child abuse case, a young social worker named Claire discovers that a supernatural entity is tormenting the family. To save the parents from losing custody of their child, she must confront her fears and use her clairvoyance to stop the malevolent force. Yeah, I just remembered I haven't told you who's in it. <laughs> okay, so Claire is, uh, she is played by Michelle Kruzik. Um, we then have her husband, who we don't get a name, I don't believe. He's played by Ken Kirby. Um, we have, yeah, I think that is right. Yes, then the family, 
who is um Arthur is played by Bernard Bullen, and his wife Jane is played by Audrey Moore, and their daughter Sophie is played by Madeline Grace. Um who else do we have? There's uh yeah, there's not a load of you know, I mean, we see other people in the thing, but yeah, I kind of feel they're our um they're our main characters, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh so right, that's that's just and this film, fuck, it is, it's a tough one. It's a tough one because it's dark as fuck. And not so much because it's like gore and everything. It's just it's dealing with a lot of fucking sorrow, right? It is dealing with sorrow. Like we jump out the gate. With, uh, you know what I mean, Shorty doing a gallows dance, you feel me? You're just like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we hear noises and then you see. And you're just like, oh, I was not ready for that. Okay. And uh, obviously, right? You, you, yeah, anyway. So we we open up with that. Right, and then it's just the tears and just everything. But we don't fully know what's going on, right? So we, we have this, but then we see her with a guy. And you're like, oh, must be her husband. And they're talking, you know, about, oh, what should we call our kid? And they're doing all of this, and we and we see all of this, and we're going between them, and then she, with her on her own, right, sitting at work in the car, and all of this. And I think it's not explicit, right, that we're jumping around a timeline, but I think I felt it was obvious what was going on. You know, as as we go further into the film, it becomes a lot clearer. But I think I feel it's clear from the giddy, you know. But we're then seeing this family, this other family with, you know, their their kid and the two of them. And you're trying to work out what's going on, because, you know, as I said, look, she's a, a social worker. Right. So obviously. There's issues with the family, right? The kids got bruises, but it's like, I mean, as a kid, I fell over so much, right? I bruise so easy. So it's just like, you know what I mean? Just dirty bruises just everywhere. And, and that, I think, that, that can happen. You know what I mean? So you're hearing these stories of what's going on, and you're like, huh. What is going on? Right? What is true? What isn't true? And then we're also realizing that Claire, some dark shit has happened to Claire. But you're trying to work out what it is. You know what I mean? What exactly happens? And we see some things and you think, oh, did this happen? 
But then you find, okay, so no, obviously that couldn't have happened. Well, what went down? What went down? And you're just trying to piece things together and work out, you know, what are the ties that bind? You know what I mean? Because, yeah, like you, you can see that she's going through some shit. And so I think you think, oh, is this the film? Right. And it's not like you're not enjoying the film, but you're just like, okay, so is it a film where you're just dealing with trauma? That's the horror of it. Nah. <laughs> Shit then suddenly changes. Right. And I think the thing about it, right? The thing that is just like, yo, what the fuck? Is because when you think about certain films, right, uh, the stuff like, um, oh gosh, what am I thinking? Like The Thing, the first Alien film, and I've used those references before, but they're good because we don't see the alien, we don't see the monster clearly, and it's very quick, it's quick, bum, bum, bum. And that's what happens here. The crazy that goes down is very quick. Right? So you're just like, wait, what? What just happened? Wait, what? And it's like fast on you. And it's not like bad editing or anything, but it's like they're playing with the perspective. Right? So, you know, the character looking and then like turning, be like, well, what was, what's going on? Right? God, and and it really, oh shit, really fucks with you, man. It is crazy because you don't know, like, and everything's kind of random. Isn't the word? It's just unpre unpredict. That's the word. Unpredictable. It's very unpredictable when shit's gonna happen. So you are just, oh, it. it catches you every time i mean it caught me every time right and it was great it was great so like essentially what we have here is this is this journey right it is dealing with trauma it, it's trying to find a way out right acceptance forgiveness these are the things running through the film right and yeah, like just moving on. And it is funny where some of the uh, advice comes from, <laughs> especially when you're watching it and you're just like, oh, although I do kind of feel I figured that one bit out, right? I was like, oh, I bet, I bet. But it didn't matter because it was still very good. It's still very good. And yeah, like the, the way it ends and everything is just people. People, people, people. Like, how many times do I have to tell you, you need to get yourself that Shutter subscription if you don't have it, because, boy, this is another stellar joint on Shudder, people. I, I mean, I don't really know if the title 
I, I, I suppose they live in the grey, the grey, the grey, the grey is the twilight, you know what I mean, the, the in-between, eh, I don't think it's the best title, but acting-wise, yo, there is a scene with the husband towards the end, and the emotion that he shows, whew, jeez, and again, the, the, you know, the woman, Claire, right, Michelle Cruzet, she has to really, really give you so much, because it's so tense, and there is so much just turmoil, turmoil, tur turmoil, turmoil, yeah, that's the word, there's so much, and she kills it, kills it, Little girl Sophie, great man. People really show up acting wise. Great direction, really good angles, camera angles, the lighting. It is all on point, people. So get yourself some shutter and check out They Live in the Gray. <laughs> All right, people. So there you go for part one. But before we bounce, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film. So we have got um, Coyote v. Acne coming from Warner Brothers, right? It's a, a live action you know, take on this with the CGI, obviously. <laughs> you can't have a real coyote on set, people. You know what I mean? Hey, but yeah, that's happening. And it looks like John Cena has joined the cast. You know, it's been directed by Dave Green. And the script is from Sammy Birch. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Cena, he, his acting has really improved over the years. You know, he's coming off a of Peacemaker and Suicide Squad. So, yeah, let's see what he can do, you know. Um, another odd film, you know what I mean, is the Barbie movie, right? Barbie movie, what the fuck? Um, and, look, we know it's starring Margaret Robbie as Barbie, Ryan Gosling as Ken, you know, um, and another new uh, entry on the cast front is Kate McKinnon, you know, she was in, um, hmm, I know, the Ghostbusters, I think she was in Barb and Star, right, I think she was, anyway, she's gonna be in Barbie, all right, so, uh, yeah, you know, Mate, that could be another reason you check out the film. Or maybe you avoid it. Who knows? But it's happening. Another casting uh, thingy is um, Taha Ramin, right? He has now joined the cast of Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Uh, and supposedly he's gonna be one of the major players in the joint, right? So, um, you know, we know Joaquin Phoenix is gonna be Napoleon, 
and Vanessa Kirby is gonna be um Josephine, right? Um, so yeah, it will be uh, I, I don't know who well, actually, we do know he's gonna be playing Paul Barraras, right? Who is they say he's the powerful commissioner of the revolutionary army. Hmm, okay, all right. Let's see what happens with that one, shall we? I am looking forward to the film. Um, another bit of casting news, right? So um, we know Jonathan Nolan, he's... No, Christopher Nolan. Jonathan Nolan is the other dude. He's brother, right? Christopher Nolan, hey, he's got Oppenheimer coming. And boy, oh boy, I can't wait for that. Because, you know, Nolan pretty much delivers every time. Um, it's great cast. You know, we've got Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Josh Harnett, Florence Pugh, Rami Malek, Cillian Murphy. And now we have got Jack Quaid. Yeah, it's turning out to be a bit of a stellar cast, though we do have to wait until summer 23 for this whole Manhattan project extravaganza. Uh, so let's get on to a bit of film news, right? So um, Paramount, I mean, like, yeah, the, the whole company changed its name and all of that, but they dropped news. They dropped news this week. One bit, Right now, they're going to be straight to the streaming arm. But we're getting films based around the villains from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Which means, I don't know, right? The, 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 they reckon they've got a load of villains. But the only ones I feel people really give a fuck about is Shredder, Krang, um, Bebop and Rocksteady, right? Now, if they can fully carry an hour, at least an hour and 20-minute film, who knows? But that, people, that is what's going to happen. Uh, so, um, I mean, supposedly, this is like a real, whew, a real hot one. Right, it's called Here, and it is coming from uh, Robert Zumakis, who's going to be directing. He's also co-writing with Eric Roth, and it's going to be starring Tom Hanks. Right, it's an adaptation of Richard Maguire's graphic novel of the same name. Now, what we do know is it revolves around a room, a single room, right? A single room? How the fuck? Now, we've had films, you know, deal with a, a, a single location. Like, we've kind of had Buried. We had, um, oh, gosh, that Jack Hill um, police dispatch thing, right, from late last year. We had, uh, was it Oxygen? You know what I mean? But this one, they're saying it's not so much on the room, but it's the inhabitants of that room over the years, right? 
from the past to the current day to the future. So, um, I don't know, it'll be interesting how they uh, play it out. It's coming, though. It's coming. Other things that are coming, right? And Paramount dropped this news. So, obviously, I think everyone figured we would be getting a Sonic 3, right? Because we know they're getting a Sonic 2, right? We knew that's happening. But, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Right? You know what I mean? Just keep that cash coming. Right? Now, I think one thing that was a little bit of a surprise is we're getting a fourth Star Trek film. Because I think the way all of this was left was I think they were trying to get people to, you know, the cast to sign up and people didn't. The con- Supposedly the contracts lapsed. Right? And you thought, ah, they're concentrating on the TV stuff. But, hey, they're coming back to the films. Right? The Kelvin timeline might have at least one more for you. So that's happening. Something else which, uh, yeah, doesn't surprise me. Right? We're getting um, a... Uh, oh, what are we getting? Um... A few more start Transformer films, right? So we've got um, Rise of the Beasts. That's already done, but we're getting a few more as well, right? So I think two more, at least two more films, you know. And an interesting one as well is there's gonna be a third, yes, a third Acquired Place films. So we've had the first two, we're getting a spin-off, and there's going to be one more. So that's intriguing. That's definitely intriguing, right? You know? Okay, so, um, yeah, that is all right. Now let's get on to a bit more. So, uh, yeah, computer game adaptations, they're coming, right? And we've seen them improve. We've definitely seen them improve. They go into the small screen as well. But something that you know, was talked about a few years back, right? Um, Gore Vador was meant to be doing it back in the day. But uh, yeah, it looks like the Bioshock film is a go again. Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the studio take two have signed a deal with Netflix, right? So, uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna happen, right? I, I suppose it's a big game, right? So, you know, could be interesting, people. And especially, right, because you think, so this was taught, like the film adaptation was talked about, oh, gosh, uh, probably at least 10 years ago, at least 10 years ago. So just imagine what the, you know, how good special effects have grown in that space of time. So, uh, yeah, it, it should be, you know, so much better than it might have been. All right. Um, something else that is coming is Ray Gun. right? It's an animation from Skydance. And um, it's the new Brad 
bird joint, right? It's sci-fi noir. So um, what they say the film is, it's dealing with the last human private detective, Raymond Gunn, in a future full of humans and aliens, hired to find out if a pop singer is cheating on her husband, but soon things take a twist into the world of doubles and murders. Bum, 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 bum. It's, it's meant to be something that Bird has been trying to bring to the screen for a long time, right? He's written a script uh, with Matthew Robbins, um, and he's going to be producing with John Lasseter, David Ellison, Dana Goldberg. So there you go, people. There you go on that. Right, um, A24 have had a string of great films, right? And um, what they're doing now is trying their hand at musicals. Yes, it's going to be called Fucking Identical Twins. Yeah. <laughs> Say it's an 18 plus musical comedy. Right, starring Megan the Stallion, um, Bowen Yang, Megan Malali, and Nathan Lane. Right, so they're saying it's a subversive spin on the parent trap. Right, um, yeah, adapted from Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp's two man stage show. Right, um, and they will be writing the script, also co-starring in the film. So, uh, yes, there you go, people. Original songs, all of that will be in it. So, uh, yeah, there you go, there you go. And let's end with this. So, Denny's Villeneuve recently did an uh, interview with, uh, you know, Empire, right? I don't know why I didn't come over to the Echo Chamber, but hey, hey, you know I mean, do you, Denny's, do you? But he talked about June Part 2, and as it, like, it, what he says is what I assumed, right? And you can go back, people, go back in the tapes, listen to the talk, right? So this is what he said. When you adapt, you have to make bold choices in order for the things to come to life. And I think that was the best way to introduce this world to a wide audience. Now, in the second one, I want to have more flexibility and it will be possible to go a little bit deeper into some of these details, right? It's like a chess game. Some new characters will be introduced in the second part. And the decision I made very early on was that this first part would be more about Paul Atreides and the Bene Gesserit and his experience of being in contact for the first time with a different culture. Second part, there will be much more Harkonnen stuff. We are supposed to be shooting by the end of summer. I will say it is mostly designed 
the thing that helps us right now is that it's the first time I've revisited a universe. So I'm working with the same crew. Everybody knows what to do. We know what it will look like. The movie will be more challenging, but we know where we are stepping. And the screenplay is written. So I feel confident, frankly. The only big unknown for me right now is the pandemic. All right. Um, frankly, if you had told me five months ago that we'd be in the Oscar race, that we'd have that kind of recognition, I would have not believed you. It's really moving. If you're nominated, it's a beautiful thing. I don't take things for granted. And I was deeply pleased with this. So, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it all makes sense because now right, the Harkonnens are, they're, you know I mean, they're going to war with the Freeman, you know what I mean, so we've got all the intrigue with the Empire, just all of that, so it makes sense to focus on them, you know what I mean, I am looking forward to this, people, trust, so there you go, we're done for part one, remember, there is a part two, people, so, Hit the link and go check that out. All right. So see you in a sicky sec.